It's Tuesday. It is June 15th, and we begin today with a celebration of girl power. Spice Girls and that song, Wannabe, celebrating, I can't believe this, its silver anniversary. That's right. Wannabe is 25. 25 years old. Anybody feel old? And to help us celebrate, let's welcome in uh, right away here our music expert, Eric Helper. He joins us on 640 Toronto. Eric, can you believe this? Wannabe Spice Girls Silver Anniversary 25 years ago. Well, Jeff, you know what? If you if you want me on this segment, you got to forget my past because if you want to <laughs> get with me, we got to better make it last. Like, it, you know, it, it's it's truly astounding that there are 45-year-olds right now listening, 45-year-old women probably with two screaming kids who just are bored, silly, having to be home from school, going, what happened to that girl from my teenagehood who danced without a care in the world to that song? I mean, that song opened the floodgates for just such an unbelievable power, powerful generation of people. Now, I know it's a song, and I know, and I get it, but, like, that led you know, uh, that world of Alanis Morissette and Liz Fair and Shirley Manson from Garbage to and Sinead O'Connor to be able to kind of stand up and be counted and be heard. It was truly revolutionary to all those, you know, preteen girls who were like, yeah, right on. And who carried that throughout their lives with them. Yeah. I mean, if you were there, if you were around at the time, I mean, you know, but that song and this band, uh, Spice Girls, it is really, really hard to kind of, uh, I don't know, put into words uh, just what happened 25 years ago and, and really does continue to this day. Yeah. Look, when, when they, when Forevermore, when you watch those documentaries on the 1990s pop culture, you will have Kurt Cobain, you will have, maybe Lollapalooza, you will absolutely have the Spice Girls in it. I mean, they they completely dominated the world more than I think BTS is doing right now with with their cultural revolution um, because there was like, you know, there was a Spice Girl for everybody and and they had really great music from the very beginning of it. Um, They had a film. They were making tens of millions of dollars of merchandising. It seemed like they were... You know, they were kind of like a Disney film on steroids. They they came up almost with the concept of what it of what a Spice Girl is, and then started writing music based on that. But yeah, twenty five years is uh, um, pretty astounding. I think that you have to check your math on that. But yes, no, but you're right. <laughs> and you know, to celebrate the Spice Girl, they're releasing "Wanna Be Twenty Five. It's an EP 
that has um, bonus mixes from Junior Vasquez, one of the big DJs back in the 1990s. And there is a previously unreleased ballad called Feed Your Love, which is probably going to be um, as close to wannabe as you'll ever going to get in, uh, in 2021. And really, the Spice Girls did lead a feminist revolution, didn't they, uh, Eric? And I mean, that message of a girl power, which is as significant today and still resonates and as important today as it was uh, back then. Do we know where that uh, came from, what the genesis of that was? Because, you know, that uh, mantra of girl power, I mean, that's something that's as big as any Spice Girls hit. Yeah, you, you know, and, and, and I know people are going to be really snarky about it, saying, well, you know, it's a girl group, but, you know, they were managed by men. They were, you know, on record labels that were dominated by men. They, but their female audience and their, and their lyrical theme of female empowerment, um, and that's the fact that they were sharing each of the vocals, kind of gave them that whole idea of, of, the, of, of having the Spice Girls to begin with. In fact, that there were open auditions and about 400 women from all across the UK um, went to go audition for this all-female pop band. And uh, they just decided to call themselves Spice Girls once, um, once the last member joined. So for them, it was really about all the different, you know, spices that come along with life. And, you know, here's the angry one, here's the British one, here's the feisty one, here's the, you know, the soft one. And it was all like, I'll travel back to the Beatles, where each of them had their own personality. And if you want to know the power of the uh, Spice Girls and their influence, you have to look no further. To me, this is such a statement. When I saw this this morning, Adele has put on her Instagram a picture of herself when I think she was like seven or eight years old in her bedroom with all of the Spice Girls posters up. So obviously they had a huge influence on her. And who knows where Adele would be today without the Spice Girls, right? Influencing her as a young singer and a young girl. Oh, everybody. Like Lady Gaga mentioned the Spice Girls in one of their songs. Eminem mentioned the Spice Girls in My Name Is. Weird Al Yankovic did a parody called Polka Power, which was a reference to girl power. Keisha mentioned them. Diplo. Charlie XCX. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if... if and and those artists from the 90s and 2000s that were influenced by them, they're now influencing female performers like Olivia Rodrigo. And so, you know, now is almost a perfect time to have, you know, it's a little bit kitschy, I'm sure, on, on TikTok with these, um, you know, with the, with the concept of it all. But forevermore, every girl group almost has to separate each other as members for their own distinct personality, their own dances, their own um, answers during interviews. It's almost like they fed into that media machine of what a girl group should be and just turned it on the dime to the male dominance of, of rock bands where with the Rolling Stones, you had certain um, personalities in it. There weren't that many girl groups that were allowed to do that because the record labels and the male dominance would put them in place saying, you can't be outspoken. You can't wear that. You can't have that hairstyle. Um, it's almost like it was almost calculated to be the opposite of what the industry was wanting them, almost feeding it back to themselves. Yeah, well, it's a big day. What a legacy as a wannabe from the... Yeah, (laughs) wannabe by the Spice Girls uh, turns uh, 25 years old. Here with our music expert, Eric Helper. Eric, I wanted to also talk to you this afternoon about uh, maybe another sign that we're getting closer to normal or return to normal. 
We have found out that the Foo Fighters will play the first full-capacity concert in New York City. This will happen June 20th at Madison Square Garden. What more do we know about it? Yeah, well, it looks like that it's going to be an all-vax concert as well. You are actually going to have to show proof on your phone or bring in your medical certification that you have been double vaxxed in order to get into the concert. And that's not the Foo Fighters rule. That's actually the New York State's rules of attending large events. But it's still causing a lot of ruckus online saying that people um, that people are upset that, you know, other fans that might only have the one shot or no shot um, don't have equal ability now for their entertainment dollar. Um, but, you know, all of that aside, this is probably one of the big steps, at least in a blue state, in order to show that concerts are coming back. Because at least in the red states of Texas and, and, and Missouri and, and Mississippi and Alabama and those kind of, of cities and states, they've been having concerts throughout all of this. But this is the first time where it's actually more people are getting the vaccine than not. So it's going to be really interesting in a couple of months for those researchers to see um, where those spreads might be coming from of the COVID virus. Is it coming equally from maybe states down south as opposed to ones that are northern? But um, I can only imagine how much Dave Grohl has been bouncing off the walls since this announcement um, happened a couple of weeks ago. And and right here in Toronto, we've got our own with Massey Hall announcing 40-plus shows with their new season, including the Andy Kim Christmas, City in Colour, and it all kicks off with Gordon Lightfoot at a three-night stand. So, well, it looks like that we're kind of seeing a little bit of the light at the end of the tunnel, but there's no word on whether or not if you have to show um, vaccine proof to get into Massey Hall and other large venues across Toronto. I was going to ask you, this MSG show with the Foo Fighters, is this going to be the template, do you think, for uh, maybe, you know, like Scotiabank Arena reopening uh, sometime soon or, or one day? I, I would hope so. You know, just as a, as a matter of personal safety, yeah, I, I think it's okay that people start start showing that we're all part of the same community and society, and that and that people should get vaccinated, and that if you don't, well, maybe you just don't get to go to the shows. You know, they especially in the states, they've been literally bribing people with concert tickets and and sports tickets um, to get the vaccine. But you know, I think in America, it's a little bit different because concert promoters are a little bit scared about about upsetting and angering audiences. And for the most part, I mean, call it what it is. It's usually, you know, followers of Donald Trump for the most part that aren't getting vaccinated, but concert promoters don't want to upset anybody. Their their job is to try to get people into the, in the seats wherever they can, but there is immense pressure put on them by the, the, the health insurance companies they don't want any potential lawsuits from both audience members who unfortunately might get COVID, but they also don't want to get into trouble with the health insurance in case if a band member gets sick. And so all of a sudden there's hundreds of millions of dollars on the table that could be lost in potential revenue. So the concert promoters are really looking for a way out of a rock and a hard place because at one point they do want these shows to go on at the other end of it our government official telling them no like we still have rules in place to, for doing this so it's going to be really interesting to see in the next couple of months how it all shakes down and what shows actually go ahead and maybe what shows start to get cancelled because their state um, doesn't acknowledge uh, either vaccine passports or proof of vaccine 
Just finally, you mentioned Massey Hall, and yes, it will reopen after a three-year hiatus. Gordon Lightfoot, who uh, kind of closed it uh, down, uh, will reopen things in November, November 25th through 27th with a series of uh, shows. Do we know what uh, is in store for us with this renovated Massey Hall? I mean, I've walked by it time and time again over the last few years, and it's just covered in scaffolding, and you're wondering, okay, what's happening? What's going on uh, in there? Do we know what they've done? Yeah, they're going to turn it into a four-story Spice Girls tribute. Um, <laughs> one for each. No, they're not. Um, there, you know, there are so many great music bands that had a part in the renovation, from the Massey Hall Corporation all the way down to public opinions and and public correspondence of it. But they're going to have a recording studio in there. There's going to be a creative studio for people to rehearse. There's also going to be a huge archive and exhibit area where people can really get a sense for the historical um, venue that they're going to be standing in, as opposed to just maybe a couple of photos hanging on the wall. So it's going to be a, a really hop in place where people can go and check out and visit and actually record there, even when there's not a show. Okay, so do we like, uh, is it positive, these uh, changes? Because there is something, you know, when you renovate a place like uh, Massey Hall, you're right, there's just so much history, storied history there. What you don't want to do is just kind of change the the vibe of that place. Well, um, I would think that they probably ended up putting all the ghosts in the basement while they were doing the renovations and let them all out because you're absolutely right. You know, there's nothing like watching an artist perform at Massey Hall. The acoustics are second to none. And I know for a fact that artists, when they see Massey Hall on their upcoming tour schedule, they put a little circle around it. They put a gold star because they Mm. know that that's going to be something special. But I would imagine that with the sheer amount of money that they put into that place with the, with the right people overseeing it, they know exactly where Massey Hall fits in, in the Canadian music history. And I know that they're not going to mess with it. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. I haven't seen it yet, uh, but hopefully I'll get down this summer and I'll let you know. All right. Well, we're all excited. Uh, performers excited to be there on stage. And I know all of us music lovers excited. It'll be a special night in late November when Massey Hall is uh, open once again. Eric, appreciate it as always. Thanks so much for joining us. No problem. We'll talk soon. You got it. Music expert Eric Helper.